Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This friendly Mother's Day reminder is brought to you by 1-800-Flowers.com. Mother's Day is this Sunday. You don't have time to put this off any longer. Head to 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on last-minute Mother's Day gifts. From bouquets to sweet surprises, mom deserves the best. Order your gift from 1-800-Flowers before time runs out. To order today, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash ACAST. Hey, book lovers. Want to hear a story? Welcome back to Storytime with M. This is a mini episode from M's Books and Cats podcast, where I am sharing my books with you a chapter a week. And we are currently going through my book, Catching Cats. And this week is chapter five. Enjoy. Alone. I'm completely alone. When the tears finally stop and I am able to catch my breath, the word settles on my brain like a heavy fog alone. My parents are gone. My siblings are gone. There are no more tears left. I have cried all night. It's nearly dawn. There were moments last night when I heard their voices, calling me amidst the hissing and yowling and constant scratching. I'm surprised there's anything left between me and the outside. I sat there all night, weeping, with my back pressed against the door. I felt the vibrations of claws on wood, Part of me was hoping for the moment when the claws broke through, and tore through skin and bone. I don't know what I am supposed to do now. I've fantasized about living alone, of course. Life is dreary and crowded. The apartments are crowded. The street is crowded. The factory is crowded. The market is crowded. There are people everywhere. They walk with their eyes turned down, keeping watch on their feet. It's safer not to look around. The sky is lighter. The sun will soon break over the hills. Another day. But this one will be different. I don't know what to do. I should go to work. They'll know Maria has gone. No one ever lasts more than three days. That's when they come for you. I ease myself up and stretch my stiff body. My joints ache from sitting on the floor all night. I crack open the door and peer outside. The air is cold. Winter is coming. This year there will be no one to cuddle with under the heavy down blanket. I don't know if I have the energy to survive winter alone. I don't know if I care. The door is badly damaged. A deep scar has been cut into the wood. I was closer to death than I thought. I flop down in the chair. I am no longer on watch. I have no one to watch for. I am alone. The street fills with crowds of people on their way to their mindless, monotonous jobs. Dust from hundreds of feet pounding the earth fills the sky. There is a steady hum, a murmur of voices as they jostle down the street. I have seen this all my life. When I was old enough, I joined them in the monotony. I see it all with different eyes now. Nothing matters. Everything ends. 
I descend under the crush of this new wave of knowledge. It breaks over me. Everything has changed forever. This is a significant moment. Suddenly it's as if the balcony has shrunk. It's too small. I panic and my heart races. I have to get out of here. I run down the stairs and dodge through the crowd. I am running against the masses. I weave through them. They don't see me. I find an open route and run faster. I run as hard as I can. My chest hurts. Maybe I'm dying. The thought comforts me until the worst of it passes. My constricted airways open up a little. Some of the fresh air gets through. I've forgotten my boots. My bare feet fill the silky tendrils of grass. I've run all the way to the meadow. The forest is a dark, forbidding wall looming in front of me. What do I do now? I kneel in the grass. It covers me. No one would see me if they were looking. No one is looking. No one notices me at all. I'm completely alone. The meadow slopes down to the street. I sit above the dust cloud. There is a bit more light up here. A cool breeze stirs the grass around me. I inhale deeply and smell grass and wildflowers. I lay back. The stalks bend and crackle around me. Gray, angry clouds swirl in the sky above me. A storm is coming. The sky opens up moments later. I'm soaked through in a matter of seconds. My hair is plastered across my forehead and clinging to my back. I stand and stare at the city. The dust has settled. The buildings are gray and dirty. There is nothing here for me anymore. A fundamental shift is happening. I turn and plod through the rain up the grassy hill, moving parallel to the forest. As if the forest had a million eyes, I can feel the sensation of being watched. A shiver runs up my back. Thunder booms in the distance. I double my pace, though I have no idea where I'm going. I reach the top of the hill and start down. Far below in a valley, I can see a wisp of smoke. A dark speck sits near a place where the forest widens and takes over more of the land. The dark speck sits in the middle of a patch of grass, surrounded on three sides by forest. The rain obscures my view, so I can't be certain. But I think the dark speck is a house. I run. My feet slip in the wet grass and I go sprawling into a mud puddle. Getting up, a sharp stab of pain shoots through my knee, and I fall, crying out to no one. My knee is muddy and streaked with blood. A wide gash oozes, and I wince in pain as I try to pinch it shut. I peer through the sheets of rain. The house is a bit closer. I can make it. The sky is dark. Night will come early. I have to get to that house. I rise and gingerly put my weight on my injured knee. The first few steps are excruciating, but I force myself to hobble on. I stop briefly to rip a sleeve off my shirt and use it as a bandage. The pain dulls to a steady throb. It took what felt like an eternity to get down the hill and into the valley. The rain eased up as I approached the house. As I passed the point where the trees grew on both sides, I felt a change. The air was charged with electricity. The rain was more like a heavy, dense fog. It lingered. There was no rain as I stepped onto the mat of the front door. Brown and black bristles welcomed me in swirling letters and elegant lines. I'd never seen anything like it. I stood dripping on the mat, wondering what to do next. This place felt alive as if the house was pulsating with energy. 
I lifted my hand to knock, but hesitated. I lowered my hand. I should go home. I don't know why I'm here. The door opens, and a warm, sugary waft of air hits me. A plump woman with deep smile lines and black hair steps outside. She has a streak of pure white running through her glossy hair. It is wiry and frizzy where the rest of her hair is smooth and sleek. Somehow this little imperfection is endearing. She's fascinating. Older women are rare. Old men are even more difficult to find. The human lifespan was greatly shortened after the Great Fires, and has continued to dip dangerously from time to time over the centuries. It diminished even more when the cat epidemic hit. Oh, Lark, dear. Come inside and get warm. You poor thing. Let me get you a towel. Come in, come in, dear. She fussed around me as I hesitantly entered the house. The interior was nothing like the mossy gray of the outside. I stepped into a room, the color of which I had never seen. It was soft and bright and warm and inviting all at once. I realized I was standing there staring with my mouth slightly agape. Soft, thick-cushioned sofas sat in a semicircle around a stone fireplace. They were a deeper hue, but again, I couldn't name the color. It was deep and rich and completely foreign. The woman bustled around, bringing me soft, thick towels. They were as white as the first perfect day of winter, when the snow has just fallen and has not yet mixed with the dust. I held the towels up to my face and inhaled the soft, stirring scent. An involuntary sigh escaped me. The woman stopped her bustling and smiled. She handed me a handleless cup of warm brown liquid. I sniffed at it suspiciously. It's tea. My own special blend. Go on. Drink it. It'll warm you right up. Here. She thrust a soft black dress into my hands. You can change in there. Take a warm bath. Just relax. You're safe here. I don't... I started to speak, but the words lodged in my throat and choked me. The older woman smiled. Her teeth were the color of the dust in the middle of a summer day. Several were cracked and broken. I preferred it when she didn't smile. I understand, dear. Go and get cleaned up. Relax. We have all night to talk. I nodded mutely, still not trusting my voice. I took a sip of the tea, and it burned pleasantly down my throat. I gulped down the rest as quickly as I could, and the warmth spread through me. I smiled as I handed the older woman the cup. She placed her hand on my cheek and smiled. Her eyes looked deep into mine, and I was afraid to look away. She laughed abruptly and tapped her finger on the end of my nose. The spell was broken. I hurried to the bathroom and locked the door securely. The bathroom was as white as the towels. It glowed with an almost too bright radiance. I closed my eyes for a moment, then opened them slowly, letting them adjust to the glare. The walls were covered in tiny white gems that glittered and shone. A bright silver tub with feet shaped like the ones from Jeremy's drawings awaited me. It was full of clean, clear water with tiny white flowers floating on the surface. I stared at it for a long while. I've never seen water so clear. I dipped my fingers in. The water is hot and suddenly my body is aching all over. I peel off my wet clothes and slide into the warmth with a sigh. The tension slides out of my body. I close my eyes and breathe in the thick, humid air. I take in a deep lungful and sigh again. Sleep takes hold and I don't try to fight it. 
I sink into the darkness, thankfully. When I wake up, the water is cold. I force myself out of the tub and stand shivering while I dry off and get dressed. I dry my hair the best I can, but I know it will be a frizzy mane of untamed curls in just a few minutes. The dress is soft and warm. The long sleeves bell out at the wrists. The cuffs are lined with delicate silver chain. The dress hugs my form, but is loose enough to allow for movement. It stops at my knee, and I lift the skirt to examine my wound. It's still ugly, but at least it's clean. I quietly ease the door open. The older woman is sitting on one of the plump sofas. A young woman with short red hair sits opposite her. They both turn toward me when I enter, and I see the young woman is about my age, maybe a little younger. She has a smattering of freckles across her nose. The older woman stands and opens her arms in a gesture of welcome. Come have a seat, Lark, dear. I move toward the sofas cautiously. How do you know my name? She laughs. Oh, I know all about you. I know everything about everyone. She pulls a flat silver box from her dress pocket. One side was black and shiny. When she touched it, it glowed from within with a bright white light. See this? She said, running her fingers over the glowing surface. I nod and steal a quick glance at the pale girl on the other sofa. Her face glows as she leans in for a closer look. The older woman looks ancient with the bright glare. Every line and wrinkle is exposed. Her skin is too pale and seems to sag on her bones. She is smiling, and her brown teeth look even more gruesome. This is ancient. They called it technology. Don't touch. She screeches and slaps the pale girl's hand. The girl had extended one finger toward the strange box. The girl grasps her finger in her other hand and sits back away from the glowing box. She turns her back to us as if she no longer cares about the mysterious object the woman holds in her hand. My eyes are quickly drawn back to it, the pale girl all but forgotten for now. I couldn't tear my eyes away. Ancient technology. One of the things Jeremy used to babble on about. Part of the story. The old woman. It all suddenly came together. A once blurry picture jumped into clear view. This was the same woman. How had it taken me this long to see it? She laughed. With a soft click, the box went dark, and she slipped it back into her pocket. I am fascinated by the old technology. The ancient ones were advanced far beyond our understanding. Well, far beyond your understanding. I understand it just fine. I've studied ancient technology for centuries. Fascinating stuff. There is so much to decipher and learn. Unfortunately, you can't learn it all in one lifetime. Nessa, turn around and stop pouting. The redhead turned her sullen, unimpressed face in my direction. Her eyes gave me a cursory glance, but she wasn't interested in me. She locked eyes with the older woman, and her pale gray eyes went black as night. The older woman shook. The numerous chains she wore around her neck jingled lightly. With a sudden wrenching movement, the older woman broke free from the pale young woman's gaze, with a loud gasp followed by a deep, hacking cough. The hint of a smile turned the corners of the redhead's mouth. She crossed her arms over her chest and turned to me. The smile faded as quickly as it had appeared. I'm Nessa. Who are you? 
The girl's voice was loud and seemed out of place coming from someone so small. She was even shorter than Maria. My heart stopped for just a moment, and I braced myself against the memory. Surprisingly, it floated away, as if there was a soft fuzz on my thoughts. The redhead put her hands on her hips. She was muscular and soft at the same time. She had a womanly shape, but her muscles were defined and strong. Her face wore a mask of irritation. I said, who are you? She tapped her foot impatiently. I sucked in a breath. Suddenly there doesn't seem to be enough air in the room. I'm... I'm... I grasp for my name. It fades in and out of my thoughts, but I can't quite catch it. The redhead turns to the older woman. Are you serious? The woman nods. Give her a little time. It takes some getting used to. The girl threw up her hands with a frustrated sound. She turned and stormed out of the room. The sound of her boots on an unseen stairway echoed through the room. The older woman collapsed onto the sofa. She looked even older now, frail and worn. She made a weary gesture with her bony hand. That was Nessa. She's a trip. Give her time. She'll come around. She'll see what I see. What do you see? The older woman threw back her head and laughed. The decayed teeth were on full display. She looked me in the eye. Her eyes were the color of the sky at dawn. You, my dear, are special. You're very sad, and you're completely alone. I flinched. She noticed and reached over and patted my hand. You need help. I need help. And even Nessa, strong, stubborn Nessa, needs help. She leaned in and grinned her horrible grin. We can help each other. She stood up quickly and left the room. I sat and stared into the fire. The flames danced and grew and changed shape. Faces emerged. Father, mother, Rosie, Minnie, and Maria. Jeremy's scowling face. The old woman, Nessa, and me. I stared into a mirror of flame. What are you doing? Get back! A hard shove sent me sprawling. Nessa stood over me with her hands on her hips. Her eyes were wide, and her cheeks were flushed. What are you doing? she asked again. I sat up and shook my head. I was just staring at the fire. What's your problem? You were leaning into the fire. You would have gone up in a second. I stared at her. My skin does feel kind of hot. My fingers lightly examine the ends of my nose, and the skin is smooth and painful to the touch. Wow, thanks. I don't know what happened. Nessa sits down on the couch and pats the cushion next to her. This place is weird like that. Lady Morgan is pretty strange. Lady Morgan? That's what she likes to be called. I think her real name is Hester or something. I know she seems kind of goofy and odd, but don't underestimate her powers. What, is she like magic or something? I scoff. Nessa grins. What? You're saying she's magic. Lady Morgan's a witch? Nessa shrugs. Something like that. She's not normal. That's ridiculous. You're lucky she is magic. 
Who do you think sent the storm? Lady Morgan saved your life. Everyone knows cats hate water. I stared at her. I didn't know that. Nessa laughs. Don't worry. There are a lot of things I didn't know about cats when I got here. Lady Morgan knows everything about them. Well, as much as anyone can know. Cats are mysterious creatures. I run my fingers over the soft cushion, trying to digest what she just said. Magic isn't real. Witches aren't real. Nessa must be crazy. I've stumbled into a madhouse, apparently. Still something prickles at the back of my mind. Certain thoughts float to the surface, and I am unable to banish them. Where did that storm come from? The sky did change rather abruptly, but that could happen, right? Especially with a storm of that severity. Why can't I remember my name? I probably hit my head when I fell, or something. What about the fire? I'm exhausted and chilled from being out in the rain. I just got a little too close, and Nessa overreacted. If cats can reappear after centuries of being extinct, what makes you think magic doesn't exist? And that is the end of Chapter 5, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Catching Cats. If you can't wait to finish the story, there is a link to the paperback and Kindle editions in the show notes. And if you missed our previous book feelers, you can check out the audiobook on audible.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading.